is the bullpen on 1027 ESPN with Patrick Osborne and Brandon Elkins. Opinions are welcome at 512-834-1027. Uh-oh. It's why we work so well together. It is why we work well together. A couple of, couple of introverts. A couple of flaky introverts that make plans and they're like, ah, never mind. A couple of guys. Who How just, do I get out of this? Who just assume cancel plans than actually follow through with them. I'd rather cuddle with animals and yeah. go out than leave oh, my home. Oh, dude. Yeah. You like, talk about it's language. the best. Dogs, my preferred company. My As cat are. can lay on my chest. She lays on my shoulder, neck area. And, like, I can't move for hours yeah, because like, I would feel awful. You don't want to mess up a good thing. And it's so cute. And I love it. Yeah. I fell asleep. Don't want to mess up a good face, thing. Sleeping on my face last night. I was, it was great. So, yes, animals, my preferred company. You know who else? My preferred company. You, my hey. friend, here on the bullpen. Me? Or are you talking to the listeners? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, all, Same. All of the above. <laughs> 512-834-1027 is the number here in the bullpen. I'm Patrick Osborne. He's Brandon Elkins. It is Monday. Let's bring that Monday energy. Dude, what a wild weekend of postseason baseball. Oh, you, my God. But you know why I'm really excited right now? Why? Can you guess? I'll give you one guess why I'm so excited right now. Delirium because your, your Mariners lost and you haven't gotten over it yet? That could be. Is that what it but is? But also... Because we get to watch the Broncos play tonight. Oh, my God. <laughs> Snooze. I am loving watching them because the worst they No, no, no. Not only because of that, we have their first-round draft pick. So the more they keep losing, the, the happier I feel because that's going to give us two really great draft picks in the first round. As of right now, <clears> we <throat> sit 9 and 12. So, all right. So, so you, Bring so, it on. Fair enough. That's kind of how I feel about the Texans, yeah. you know. Yeah, like bring Just out keep, Bryce Young. Keep sucking, so yeah, you get the first round pick, first I mean, well, first overall pick. One can only hope, right? You know, they they let me down by winning, you know, <laughs> already once. But like, don't do it again, Houston. According to this man I met at ACL while watching the midnight at two thirty in the afternoon on Saturday, I, this guy thinks that the Houston Texans are going to double up and go defense first, and then see who hmm. the quarterback is. I'm like, bad idea, sir. That does not sound correct at all. That would be stupid. No one may have been sober at that moment. So. Yeah, I, <laughs> doesn't sound like it. <laughs> doesn't sound like it at all. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I know that things didn't go your way up there. I had a really good weekend regardless because I got to spend the whole weekend at ACL with my favorite human in the entire world. And she helped ease the burden of that playoff. She's listening right now, right? Is that why you're saying that? Hell no. She doesn't listen to us. Are you kidding me? Really? She has to work. You said that of your own volition, Of course. Oh, good man. Okay. All right. Fair enough. She's great. Fair enough. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, But no, really, you know what? In all honesty, and we'll dive dive more into the ballpark here in a bit, but I just want to say I'm not disappointed with the result, but I was disappointed for you, for the city of Seattle, for the Mariners organization, and I would have loved to see that series go at least one more game. Sure. However, I can't provide sympathy when you literally get two games worth of innings in and you can't score one run. Yeah. However, kudos to that bullpen on both, both sides. Both bullpen. Like that Garcia was took over show. because no one, your your bullpen was taxed. Yep. And Garcia took over and just shut it down. Yep. But also... The Mariners bullpen shut y'all down for 
17 in, no 18 innings. Yeah, it was it was it that was, was quite the game. It regardless. was a, it was absolutely a bullpen game. Uh, I I wanted so much more from that series. It went it ended the way I expected. But I, I did see Seattle getting at least one win. I am happy. I, I wanted you guys to come back to Houston tied up to, to a piece. That yeah. would have been amazing. I'm at peace with winning the wild Good. card round against the Blue Jays. Uh, we'll see you again soon, Astros. Yeah. I think this is going to be a fun rivalry. That did you great, see the man. tweets that the team, uh, Astros team Twitter tweeted? Mm-hmm. They 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 really went after some of our slogans there, my friend. Yeah. It was uh, it was interesting, but I don't style biters. I don't over hate there it. That's that that city. is what is that's what helps build a rivalry. Yeah, and there's so many people mad about that, but at the same time, I can't be mad because they kicked our butts. Well, not really. It was just a really good series. Jordan was, Alvarez kicked your butt twice. Jordan then, Alvarez kicked our butts. It was a really good series, regardless of that that fact, and they lost. Yeah, it didn't feel like it was a sweep. No, you look. You it were, felt you were like in a it. really good, a really good battle it. between it so two fun. teams that knew each other very well, and it was just every every single pitch mattered. Yeah, and again, kudos. I told you this earlier to Cal Raleigh. Two hundred ninety six pitches he caught this game, while having a broken finger with torn ligaments in that finger. Mm. God bless that man. Well, kudos to the whole Mariners organization. I look forward to that to to what's to come next year. Yes, uh, as long as as long as the divisions still matter, it'll yeah. be fun. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but uh, we uh, we'll get back into some more bullpen or baseball talk here in a little while. But uh, kicking things off really with some news out of uh, the Cardinals organization today. They've announced that they've acquired wide receiver Robbie Anderson from the Panthers. That was quick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was very quick. The uh, Panthers received undisclosed draft compensation in this deal, according to this uh, the release. However, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, uh, Carolina got a six-round pick in 2024 and a seventh-round pick in 2025 for Anderson. And this news comes just a day after Anderson was seen getting into a pretty heated exchange with several coaches during the loss to the Rams. You see this? I did not, actually. I missed it. So it all started. Anderson got into the face of wide receivers coach Joe Daly. This happened in the second quarter. Frustration sort of boiled over even more on the sideline uh, for the struggling offense. In the third quarter, uh, interim coach Steve Wilkes was seen kind of mediating another argument between Anderson and Daly. And then he sent Anderson off to the locker room. Anderson escorted off by the, uh, off the field by a member of the Panthers staff. And then he kind of confirmed the trade news on Twitter. Uh, he used some emojis. After the game, he sort of explained his point of view and talked about it, said it was uh, he was kind of caught off guard by it. I was honestly confused because I want to be in the game. You know, I've never been told in X amount of years to get out the game in, four, in the fourth quarter. You know, so I was honestly confused and, you know, you know, upset by it as I should be, you know. I don't see nobody that, that's a true competitor you know, that knows the value they bring and has true passion towards the game that'll be okay with being told not to do something or being taken out of something when they didn't do nothing wrong. So, you know, he he, okay. he sees it one way, uh, but... Uh, he didn't want to be there anyway. Yeah, well, you know, the past week has been rough for the Panthers. You know, the firing of Matt Rule, mm-hmm. ousting, and, and he coached Anderson at Temple. That did immediately, his firing oh, yeah. led to a lot of speculation that Carolina you know, might be trading off some of his veterans. Anderson was named in that, along with the running back Christian McCaffrey. Well, don't forget, before they even traded for Baker, when they were rumored to trade for Baker, he was the one who explicitly said that he did not want Baker to be on that team. Right. So I think from that moment on, he was probably on the outs, and then once Rule got fired, he was that was it. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so so there you go. News out of the uh, uh, the Panthers have traded wide receiver Robbie Anderson to the Cardinals today. Well, it's uh, a bummer for the Cardinals because they lost uh, Hollywood Brown for the season. That's right. He was a very good receiver, and he was playing pretty well yesterday against my Hawks yeah. before he got hurt. So Your Hawks? Bummer for that. Hawks find themselves in an odd spot. First play. You know what? It's not really that odd to us. Though. I know it's not. It's <laughs> but not. but this year, yes, it feels odd that being a three way tie for that's what's odd about it. Place in the NFC West. Yeah, yeah. Against with the Rams and the Niners, we're all three and three. How about that? Now, without being a homer, yes. Who's the best of the three? Who's the best? Dude, team the I three? don't know because look, Jimmy Garoppolo looked like an elite quarterback against yeah. my team when he came in. Yeah, but he has not shown much since. Rams don't look like their their normal selves. Not even their defense looks that great. I think they're kind of aging a little bit. It's hard to tell. I mm-hmm. don't think that we're going to end up in first place at the end of the season, we being the Seahawks. So it's really hard to tell who's good in that division right now. None it's, of them really look I think like elite squads. I think it's whoever gets to 10 games first wins. Probably it's right. Like 9 or 10 is probably going to win that division. You're probably right. Unless the Rams eventually show up who they're supposed to and show up how they're supposed to look because – that should be the best team in this division. And the Niners were also looking really good on defense, but they have been a struggle bus yeah, well, for we'll, the last couple weeks. We'll find out. Uh, yeah, we'll find we'll out. We'll find out I as mean, the season continues. It, it could be a parody on its own in the NFC West. Could be. We'll see. Uh, also, uh, news out of the NFL today, Texans Executive Vice President of Football Operations Jack Easterby fired today by the, uh, by the organization. That was also quick. Team's gone 1-3-1 and one so far. Uh, since the start of the 20, 20, 2020 season, the Texans have only won nine of 38 games. But Easterby was hired by the Texans back in 20... Yeah, I know, it's horrible, right? Golly. He was hired by the Texans in 2019, took on a bigger role after the uh, coach and general manager Bill O'Brien was fired in 2020. Now, back in that year, Sports Illustrated profiled Easterby's controversial... It was a very controversial career with the Texans. Uh, the article, which featured more than 40 interviews with people who worked with him in Houston and previously with the Patriots, found that Easterby was involved in a myriad of controversies with the organization, allegedly undermining the team executives and decision-makers, helping arrange workouts during the the, uh, COVID era, even though the NFL teams were instructed not to do so. He advocated for the trade of receiver DeAndre Hopkins and fostered, quote, a culture of distrust among staff and players, apparently to the point that some believe that they were being surveilled outside of work. Yikes! So that's uh, not a, that is not a good feeling. Yeah, yeah. He helped hire current general manager Nick Casario and head coach Levy Smith. So at least he did something right there. We'll see. Uh, but the hiring of Casario was a controversial at the time because uh, the the two of them were close friends at the time in New, uh, in New England. To be fair, he did not get a fair shot either. He did yeah. not have a good team. Yeah. at all. And he got it. He kind of got the beginning of the whole Deshaun Watson thing as well. He had to deal with that the most because he was still on the team. He so did. He did. They, he did not. I think he'll get another shot eventually, but that was that was, that was was a fluke. Texans fans started showing up in uh, hashtag fire Jack Easterby gear, waving flags with the same message during the 2020 season. Yeah, it's kind of sad when, you know, you're the vice president of football operations and fans know your name. Yeah. To 100%. the to the extent where they're out there advocating for you to get, get you know, get the hell out. Yep. Um, Not you've, good. you've done something patently wrong at that point. Nobody should know your name yeah. if you're the vice president of football operations. I'm sure someone else Save a select a few guys who are sure. just very dynamic. Sure. Poor uh, Texans. Yeah. Just nothing can go right with them. Yeah. That's so awful. It's cursed. Are they cursed? Like, did they I think te- build on a... 
I know they didn't they build over Astro like the former Astro World or next to it or something. Maybe that was cursed land. <laughs> it could be, huh? <laughs> uh, you know, interestingly enough, though, when you look at some of what the, the what the Texans have done, um, entering the Week Six by the Texans' red zone defense has really been the significant standout for that team in the first five games. They've held their opponents' red zone scoring percentages to thirty eight point eight percent. That's fifth best in the league. The red zone defense has played a, a, a significant role. They've held their opponents to nineteen point eight points a game. That's really good for a bad team for a one and three. That's what and one I'm team. saying. Yeah, damn. So their problems on the other side of the ball. Sure. Really. You, what's his name? Dave, Davis, Davis Mills. Davis Mills. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, not. You know what? Forgetting a man, forgetting his name, you can't hold it against anybody. Davis. Sure. Davis. Who? Yeah. I mean, that's why I want this Bryce Young kid yeah. coming from 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 Alabama. He's, and I could see it happening. I could. You don't think they're going to double up on defense? Why would like they? This guy, the guy in the ACL crowd told me. The guy in the ACL crowd, crowd is listening right now. Uh, he was super nice. He saw my Seahawks hat, and somehow I found the only other Seahawks fan in that entire festival yesterday, and we were standing right next to each other. You guys attract each other, don't you? I guess so, man. You, see, you see cool. a lot. Cool. He was a cool guy. Some weird one. He's from the Bay Area, so it's, I, it's still all sort West of Coast people. Yeah, we're all weird. Well, what was it, Friday, with your kale smoothies? Or whatever you do over there. <laughs> that was you, man. I oh, don't know. I know it was me. <laughs> I, I own that I've one. never had and I never will one. have a kale smoothie a day in my life. Don't you put that near me at all. Yeah. I had a really good Oreo blast last night from all Sonic. Right. Oh, my God. It was from amazing. Sonic? Yeah. Good stuff, man. I never go to Sonic. That's the first time I've been there in like four years. Hmm. Fun fact. Good stuff, Thanks man. for listening, you guys. I good appreciate stuff. it. Hey, so uh, Cooper Rush, his Cinderella, his time as Cinderella, the uh, clock has struck midnight for Cooper Rush. Crashing down to yeah. earth yesterday. Kind of ho- I kind of thought that this is how it wasn't that bad. No, I, look, oh, he didn't crash and burn. Sure. He was just brought back down to Third, reality yeah, that yes. you are just a, a you're not invincible and, and uh, everything that you've been doing is working, right. but it didn't work against the now 6 0 yeah. Philadelphia Eagles. You're good, guy. You're good, but you're not Eagles good yet. Mm. Yet. I said yet. Yeah. So, Rush, he threw what? Three interceptions, I believe, yesterday? Prior to the game, through had had zero interceptions. Yeah, that's and good defense. The team was rough. Um, he really uh, he he really didn't look great in the first half at all. Uh, especially, I should say, in the first half. But more mm-hmm. pivotally, uh, pivotally, the the Dallas Cowboys defense really appeared fallible for the first time this year. Uh, they had that has been among the highlights I'd say of the, the team. First half, the first half, because they they held them. For I mean they what didn't the Cowboys score like seventeen unanswered after they went down twenty to nothing, so yes. the defense wasn't so wasn't so it showed up when it needed to except for the, you know the last last play, except for the last play yeah. Well, uh, you know I'll tell you Jalen Hurts looked great uh, yesterday. He he, uh, I mean you know he and he had great help from uh, his wideouts AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. Uh, each of them for a touchdown each. Uh, running back Miles Sanders contributed with a rushing touchdown. Philadelphia looked every bit the part. Sure. I, I think. There's uh, a reason they're 6-0. and Yeah. Yes. It's uh, not by accident. So, yeah, you had two third-quarter touchdowns from the Cowboys. That made it 2017. And uh, really, this game had all the makings of a blowout initially, like you said, mm-hmm. you know, um, until, until the Cowboys started reeling off some points. But Russia went 18-38 for 181 yards. Cowboys offense actually outgained the Eagles three fifteen to two sixty eight. Still, wow, lost. that didn't feel like it at all. Mm-mm. Wow, Mm-mm. a lot of must have been a lot of chunk yardage at the end. 
Yeah, yeah, but uh, the the, the uh, there was a lot of uh, the Eagles' aggressiveness really paid off here for them, uh, and uh, Cooper Rush. It was his first multi-game uh, interception, mm. first game with an interception since Won't he's been starting the Cowboys. It's okay. No, but uh, he, he'll be he'll be riding the pine the rest of the year as long as Dak is healthy. And that is the latest news out of the Cowboys today: yep. is that Dak is eyeing a Week Seven return against against the uh, the Lions, the mighty Lions. He says that's my plan. Good plan, Dak. Yeah, well, and, and this now would, we don't have to worry about a controversy. I mean, this would fight. Yeah, we don't. We don't. It and could this, have been scary if they won. We'd have to talk about it. This really I still falls think in that line. Dak would stay. Would start. What, what did they say? What was the original timeline for him? Like six weeks? Four to six. Four to six. So this would be five weeks. So Jerry Jones was just messing around, you know. Uh, within what a week or two after this injury from Dak, we're getting this nonsense on on the fan up there in Dallas from Jerry Jones. He said a post game the next day that he was wasn't it the next gonna, day. I'm pretty sure it was either that night or the next day that he teased that Dak could be back sooner than we think. Hmm. Well, I, I didn't buy it. I, I mean, it no, was it was no, fun to talk about. Yeah, but people I, ran with it, but there was no way they were going to rush him back. Yeah, I, and, and and it's and I think it's for the best. Uh, Prescott, though, I mean, he's he's been heaping some high praise on Cooper Rush. He says, uh, you know, I never really had any doubt that the team would do exactly what they did. Uh, I got a lot of pride in the team, and, uh, you know, I know what Cooper is capable of. So mm-hmm. he says, yeah, you know, I, I was disappointed I couldn't go along with them, but I like what I've seen. Uh, Cowboys, uh, let's see, the Cowboys didn't top 25 points in Rush's five starts. Uh, and the third down offense has really been a, a bit of a struggle. We saw that against the, the Eagles yesterday. Mm. Cowboys are able to win with a... Or a turnover-free offense, though, under Cooper Rush, uh, pretty much the whole time. Solid running game, defense that didn't allow more than 19 points in the first five games. So you got to wonder, you know, how good is it, how good are they going to be if if, Cooper, if uh, Dak comes back for Week Seven against the Lions? Yeah, and it's against the Lions. We, I don't know. The Lions aren't aren't you know what they once were, you know, back in 2006 or whatever it was when they went over. Um, I it I just really think it was more uh, Rush just couldn't. Get the playbook down, maybe as well. You know, they probably opened up the playbook a little bit more for him because this is a bigger game. They couldn't play as conservative. He had to throw more, and it just didn't turn out the way that we had all hoped. But we kind of expected at the same time. Yeah, kind of expected to see something like that, and that would have been the fall back down to earth for Dak. Even if Dak has a bad game against the Lions, I think this is once he's healthy, this is his show. Yep, I agree. I agree. Uh, so we got Monday Night Football coming up tonight. Oh, whoopee. Denver Broncos, L.A. Chargers. Here's hoping for a little bit better game than what we've seen Here's from the Broncos in the Here's hoping for a Chargers past. blowout. And some shifting in the AP Top 25 college football poll. Oh. Texas Longhorns have made a bit of a move. So the ten- Tennessee Volunteers, Alabama Crimson Tide, lots of shakeups yeah. in this new poll. Oh, baby. Uh, also some shakeups in the coaches' poll. We'll get into that and a whole lot more. 512-834-1027 is the number. Give us a call here in the bullpen. The Bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027 ESPN. And welcome back to the Bullpen Monday edition. Patrick Osborne, Brandon Elkins with you. What up? For the next 25 minutes and some change. Give us a call when talking about it? college football. 512-834-1027 is the number. That is it. Yeah. That's not enough time. I'm telling you, man. Give us more time. We need two hours. We need two hours. We need two hours uh, or three. We'll give you it all. We'll give you our all every every hour. Swear. Hey, we could be the greatest greatest bullpen in all of Austin. That's right. That's saying something. Three hours, at least one full straight, just, just baseball talk. Bring oh, it. Just, just digging into the stats like a geek. <laughs> You can teach me what war means and all that stuff because I've never got into the analytical part. 
What does that mean? Like win after replacement? Wins above replacement. Wins above replacement. These are weird stats, though. Like these are not normal human. These are com- like computer I've human never, robot yeah, stats. I've never. I, I, if you've always you always talk about the old school. That's where I've kept old school. I've never followed me the too. analytics. Like when I'm following a slash line, and I, that I, makes I, sense to me. Well, I'm typically only going to look at your batting average. And that's it. Your batting average, how many home runs you've hit, and how many ribbies you got. Well, I like going to fan graphs because they they do the analytical thing too, but they also have a few more stats that I that I know what mean. <laughs> I know what they mean. I mean, I don't know what they mean. They just these are stats that could because I'm you know I grew up in an era where really all that mattered was you know staying above two hundred. Yep. <clears throat> and uh, staying above the Mendoza line, right? Uh, getting yourself as a power hitter, you know, uh, 30, 40 home runs a year. That was that was a great season mm-hmm. at one point in time. Now that's pretty average. Yeah. That's weird. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, um, Tennessee has risen three spots to number three in this week's AP 25 poll. Wow. This after their upset over Alabama, 52-49 on Saturday, their first victory over the Tide since 2006. Did Bryce Young play that game? He did. Okay, so you can call it an upset. Then. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, so this kind of continues a, a, a storybook start to the season for the Vols after their second-year coach. Uh, start. I mean, they, they began this year unranked. Mm-hmm. Now they've had wins over Pittsburgh, Florida, LSU, Alabama. Four of Tennessee's six wins have come against teams who were ranked at the time of the match. Yeah, those are uh, those are very good wins. There's that that's a good. Re- you said they're number three. Number three this yeah hell yeah this week. Resume is really among the most impressive bodies of work by any team in college football. But you've got number one Georgia, number two Ohio State, still ahead of Tennessee right now, and there's a real tight race in the in the number one two slots. Ohio State has the most efficient team in college football. I've seen those numbers. They look, offense and defense, they are just ridiculous. Yeah, I think if you make the argument for number one for Ohio State, you wouldn't be wrong. Absolutely. Make the argument for Georgia, I don't mm-hmm. think you'd be wrong either. Uh, Bulldogs got 31 first-place votes. Ohio State uh, got 17. Tennessee, 15. So Tennessee's okay. just nipping at their heels. Right, yeah, moving on up. Alabama, meantime. The num- other UT. The other UT. Yeah, the... Uh, I know that reference. The pork UT. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I don't know what that means. The other, the other white meat. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Got it. Uh, <laughs> I'm old. Sorry. Fair enough. Uh, but uh, Alabama now number six after that loss to Tennessee. I'm sure they'll be back to five just so they can get or four so just so they can get back to the college football probably playoffs. probably before this year is up. You can count on it. Currently the lowest ranking for the Tide since 2019 when they were at number eight. That's really sad. Ole Miss up two spots, number seven, following that win 48-34 over Auburn. Which by the way, what happened to Auburn? Like. My mom and I were talking about this Saturday. What the hell happened to Auburn? I don't think they've been good since uh, Cam Newton was there. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Like there, there was a time that just every year it was Auburn, Auburn, Auburn. Or it was the uh, what was the? Uh, I guess that was Auburn who ran back the the field goal for a touchdown. They haven't. Re- I to me, it feels like they haven't re- been relevant since then, and I don't even know when that was. They certainly have not done much in a while. Uh, and then uh, Tulane making a surprise appearance on the poll this week, number twenty-five. Oh, the, the Green Wave. The Green Wave. How about that? The first time the Green Wave has been ranked since nineteen ninety-eight. Where are they ranked? Number twenty-five. Oh, I love uh, they're it. six and one with a forty-five-thirty-one uh, win over South Florida. Oh, man, my buddy is gonna love that. He has been in the hospital daughter for a very long time, and he's a big Tulane fan. So that's gonna make him feel good. They beat number seventeen Kansas State back in September on September seventeenth. That's the, kind of the highlight of their resume yeah, this year so good. far. Love it. Uh, but taking a look here, uh, number eight, TCU, number 11, Oklahoma State, number 17, Kansas State, number 20, Texas Longhorns. Number 20s. They moved up two spots. Yeah. 
Good yep, yep. for them. Now on the coaches poll, however, a little bit different as yeah. they've got they've got Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, the top three, and then Tennessee four. Still allows Alabama six, TCU eight, Oklahoma State. Uh, but then Texas is twenty one on the coaches poll. As coaches to, poll doesn't really matter yeah. though. I don't even know why they showcase a coaches poll. It literally has nothing to do with anything. Coaches. I guess. Coaches suck. Great. Right. Mm-hmm. No, what do they know? They're focusing on their team. Why do they need to rank everyone else? I agree. Stupid. Mind, mind your own business, Coach. Yeah, shut up. Go to work. <laughs> uh, Help us win. Rather dubious, somewhat remarkable milestone coming out of Indiana. You hear about this? <laughs> I don't know, but the smirk is making me very intrigued. <laughs> Look, it's not an achievement that anybody's going to be bragging about in, in Hoosier land. First NCAA Division I program to reach 700 all-time losses with their 38-33 defeat to Maryland over the weekend. Now, in all fairness, Indiana is not really a football school. Fair. Right? Yes. They have been playing also since 1887. So they've had a long it's time a long to rack up time. losses. And they started right off the bat. Uh, first game of the program history under A.B. Woodford, 40-2, to they lost to Wabash College. A few years later, just a couple years ago in 1891, 60 to nothing they dropped to Purdue. And then they lost a year later to 68-0. You said 1886? 1887. 87. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, now, since the early defeats, they've struggled to win consistently, uh, embodied by the fact that no Indiana coach has left the program with a winning record since Bo McMillan did it. Uh, 1934 to 1947. Oh that's the last time they've had a winning record? Yeah. That's 1930s? The last, last, time, last time an Indiana coach has left the program oh, okay. with a winning record. Oh, my God. Yikes. So they had a, a three-touchdown game. They still couldn't hold on to their three-point halftime lead. Uh, they lost to the Maryland Terrapins. Uh, yeah, and this is in large part to uh, uh, Talia Tongovailoa. Is that a br- the brother? I think so. Okay, I think so. Anyway, Indiana's three and four now. They're looking to rebound next Saturday against Rutgers. Big game against Rutgers. Big big game against Rutgers. <laughs> Sorry to all you Hoosier fans that moved here thinking you, you could get away from hearing about your crappy team, but we just brought you back down to earth. Sorry. Congratulations with, uh, for your uh, seven seven hundredth a- loss. Of your illustrious program career. And it took 137 years. Did you hear about what happened at a Fresno? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, so to be fair, they, they've had a, they've had a, a bit more time than some other time. programs to lose and rack up losses, but they're focused on their basketball they've program. Been for 130 plus years. And nobody knew. Nobody knew. Because nobody cares. Nope. Look, we love you up there. Basketball? In Indiana, Ooh, Indiana basketball. What, football? Indiana. What's that? Yeah. Did you hear what happened in Fresno State over the weekend? I did not. Uh, an assistant football coach who is not named publicly uh, placed on administrative leave after apparently a, the throw a temper tantrum, resulting in the injury of two fans. Yeah. What? Uh, Fresno, un- Fresno State. Fresno State assistant football coach, unnamed by the school, apparently shattered a pane of glass in Bulldog Stadium in the press box uh, during the 1710 homecoming oh. win over San Jose State. A mother and a young daughter treated for lacerations caused by falling glass. Oopsies. Now, apparently, he punched the glass? He, what are you doing? He punched the window out of frustration. which I, he, And they won? <laughs> <laughs> so the Spartans scored a, a touchdown in the second quarter, and that pissed him off. So he gotcha. punched the glass, and mother and daughter oh, now no. cut. The extent of the injury is unknown. They're going to get a nice settlement from yeah, that school. Probably. Yes, sir. Probably. They, got, they were treatment, treated at a hospital. Uh, Fresno State uh, coach Jeff Tedford said he was unaware of the incident, but he says it's very unfortunate. I've um, I've definitely punched in the wall. Uh, I've punched a hole in the wall out of frustration watching a basketball game a long time ago, which we ended up winning, and I felt really stupid after the fact for doing that. 
<laughs> I had to fix it myself. It was it was like I felt very stupid doing all of that, punching the wall, putting it back together because it was dumb. And since that day, I've never punched a hole in the wall since. It's probably for the best. Yeah, it was uh, a weak wall though. I will give it that. Yeah, I didn't hit it that hard, and my fist went through. So you can punch something you want a reaction from. You're not going to get a reaction from a wall. No, I just feel like an idiot. Yeah. Don't punch walls, people. Don't yeah. punch doors. It's not going to do any good except hurt you. But I would be a liar if I said that, that there wasn't a time when I was, you know, just a walking testosterone sure. hormone. Sure. That I, I didn't occasionally... I, 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 there may have been some holes in my wall as a kid. There sure. are safe sure. things to punch, like pillows and, and stuff like that. Don't punch trees either. That will hurt really badly. Unless you're Tong Po. Sure. Kickboxer? Yeah, great. Yeah, Actually, it was Sounds kicking good. in. No, but you know, in reality, though, what I did find over the years is hopping into a boxing ring behind a, or a heavy bag, something like that, sparring with a guy and actually getting punched. Do you like, know that we have two downstairs and I they do. get put to very good use all the yeah, time? <laughs> yeah. But those are great ways They're to very work helpful. out. And uh, I don't know, you, you run less risk of hurting yourself. Yeah. Like, accidentally exactly. hitting the stud well, or something. You can definitely uh, hurt yourself punching a punching bag if you do it wrong. Oh, of course. So you got to be careful with of that. Of course. Break a finger very easily. So what do you think of the Longhorns' performance on Saturday? Uh, well, I watched. I only watched the first half, so I only saw the real sluggish part. But uh, Jordan Whittington looks like he's having a lot of fun. Yes. Uh, Quinn Ewers is definitely learning uh, as he goes. Yes. Uh, and I think the Longhorns are going to maintain this wing, and I think they're going to be good this year. Definitely a slow start, I think, concerning start for some fans, as uh, many of us knew that I mean, Longhorns are trying to reverse. A, a, the, they lost the last their last three. Is it concerning matchups. if they're winning? Well, they weren't winning initially, though. Yeah, I know, but they did. Yeah, they did. They figured it out. But you understand? You That's got to give you some confidence. A lot of Longhorn fans too. I mean, if you're not up fifty-four to three, you know, it's a uh, oh. That's not gonna happen. That's gonna ve- that very rarely happens. That forty-nine nothing was a was not a fluke, but it was a rarity. That doesn't happen. Horns a were, lot of these games are going to be close. Of course. And the Horns were held scoreless in the first half until just after six minutes into the second quarter. Yeah, we're talking six conference left, games here. Say. So every team is, it's everyone's Super Bowl every single game at this point because you want to win your division. You want to win your conference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Horns took a 17-7 lead, and then they let the, the they let the Cyclones back into it. They gave it two consecutive touchdown drives, fell behind 21-17 midway through the fourth. That is when I think a lot of people started getting really scared. Scared, yeah, okay, yeah. I can I can see that. I mean, look, you're not going to be, not every game is going to be a blowout, so enjoy the close games, especially if you win. Yeah, uh, and you know, and Quinn, uh, he didn't maybe look as sharp. I've, I've seen him catching some criticism mm-hmm. in Twitterverse and elsewhere That's online silly. over it. I don't, I, I'm with you, it's, it's not warranted. Yeah, not at all. Uh, here's uh, head coach Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, I mean, it's big. You know, I, I think, like I said, a year ago, I don't know if we win that game. You know, I don't know if we were mature enough as a team, if we had the culture to, to persevere, uh, to have the poise and composure uh, in the face of adversity like we had it. Um, I thought, that, you know, our guys, I'm sure there was a level of frustration that the game didn't go the way we wanted it to go. But in the end, we had to make plays at critical moments. And we were not perfect, but we made some critical plays. And obviously for Quinn, you know, anytime you have a fourth and three, kind of with the game on the line, you know, where you got to score, 
just to have the composure to to throw that pass. Xavier ran a tremendous route, but we've all seen quarterbacks airmail that ball or throw it in the dirt, and it was just very calm and composed for him. So I think there was a lot to gain for him uh, from that aspect. So a bit of a slow start, uh, but uh, ultimately ending up with uh, was 17 of 26 for 172 yards, three TDs. Not too bad. Numbers aren't sexy, but the you got three touchdown that downs there, and that matters the most. Right, right. I think part of it's growing pains. You know, like like you when you think about it, that was his fourth career start. You know, and somewhere in here, the guy had to be human. You know, he had to he had to miss a couple throws, make kind of a a, a bonehead error of trying to throw a screen away, and you throw it backwards. Like it's like okay, here we go. This is now he's, he's being normal here for a minute. Uh, but I give him a lot of credit for, for regrouping and getting himself back. I've seen a lot of guys in that scenario, you know, kind of fold up the tent and, and, and struggle the rest of the day. And I think that he made some throws. We didn't help him on a couple plays. But I think it shows kind of that mindset that he has, you know, that he, he doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. He kind of stays in that kind of even keel frame of mind. You know, obviously there's things we want to make sure moving forward that that kind of sluggish start doesn't happen again for him and that's constantly what we're trying to do as coaches is to tap into our players most notably in this situation the quarterback myself coach Millie of what how can we help him better come out and play the way that he's capable of playing from from the opening snap so we're obviously working on that so perhaps their biggest test of the season left uh, is upcoming in Oklahoma State yes now you could also, I mean, I mean well, I, I, they've they've struggled against Oklahoma State mm-hmm. in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, Oklahoma State has been a good team for a very years. long time. Yes, they what? Then they had they had a a double digit lead last year, and they blew that to ultimately lose seventeen three. They found themselves up late in the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, they almost put it out of reach, and then things just didn't go Fell that apart. way. Yep. Uh, so first first appearance, uh, Cowboys Longhorns in the Sark era, not pretty. Nope. But a lot of those games weren't. That, that, that was a that was a theme last year. I I really don't think that theme is is going to be the same this year. No, and and you know th- things are things are different now this year. Um, te- for one thing, Texas isn't surrendering all the sacks mm-hmm. like like they were. So they've got way better pass protection this year, uh, and that can in large part be credited, I think, to to, to Quinn Ewers. Absolutely. He's pretty quick to get it off, you know, get the ball off. Yeah. Um, so better quarterback play. You know, Casey Thompson. Did a fine job mm-hmm. last year, uh, but uh, Quinn Ewers has, I think, just shown more ability to protect the ball. He's got more upside. And more he, upside. He, he's definitely much more talented. No offense to either of those quarterbacks who have helped out, but he is definitely the most talented of the bunch. Absolutely. Um, so you know, and it's you, crazy to say that because what Sark just said—that was his fourth career game ever, right—and. So we're you know you're not going to get a perfect game from him every time. He's and, still learning. And he completed 65% of his passes, three touchdowns, you know. So if that's a that's bad day, really, Texas yeah. is Texas is in pretty good shape. And Oklahoma State's got the number 126 pass defense in the nation. So, you know, put up some numbers here. There's a lot more confidence on this Longhorns team sure. than last year. The the defense is all that all that more reliable this year. So Yeah, and like I said, the the numbers weren't sexy in the in the fact that he didn't have a lot of passing yards. Uh, he didn't have a lot of of uh, open receivers. I, I'd say in the first half because, you know, like we talked about leading up to the game all last week, Iowa State's defense is the best in the Big Twelve, and so you knew you were going to get a fight from them. 
and they showed up early, but Texas, what they didn't do last year is adjust. Right. They adjusted to, to Iowa State, and Quinn Ewer's play got a lot better, and they won. Yeah. Uh, here's one more bit from Sark. With maturity, I think when you when you can mature, and I'm not always talking age, I'm just thinking maturing in, in our program, in our process of the things that, that we place importance on, uh, then you can have poise and composure. I think poise and composure is really important on the road. You know, again, you're in an environment, the crowd's not cheering for you, they're cheering against you. And when adversity strikes on the road, that doesn't have to mean it's adversity for the next quarter. It can be for that one play, and then you've got to be, have the ability to move on to the next. So I do think it takes mental intensity, it takes focus, it takes maturity, but it also takes poise and composure on the road. And then playing is one. I, I think complementary football is really important on the road, and that's something we've been we've been really you know pushing for and advocating for. I think our guys have done that. You know, being able to kind of control, regain control of the game by being able to run the football, having long drives, giving your defense rest so that they can make adjustments so they can go out and play better, and then vice versa, creating some turnovers on the road to give your offense a short field I think is important. But So all, all those things add up, <clears throat> but to me it all starts with kind of the maturity and the approach that you take going into the game. So Texas Longhorns will head to Stillwater on Saturday. It's going to be a fun game. Kickoff at 2.30 p.m. If they win this game, they are a legit contender, 100%. No doubt about There's it. no doubt about it. No doubt so do about it. it. Hook up. Woo! Still to come here on the bullpen, an absolutely wild weekend of postseason baseball. Didn't go the way some people wanted. Went the way that others did. Oh, really? Is that how that works? That is how the oh, way it okay. works. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, so we'll get into that. We'll uh, we'll talk about some of the upsets, where we stand right now. We've got a, a game coming up today, uh, a deciding game five uh, this evening that's going to set the stage for the league championship series. One of them is already set. 512-834-1027. Want to talk baseball with us? Give us a call here in the bullpen. This is the bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027 ESPN. In the air, deep left center field, hit well. Rodriguez on the run, and it is gone! Oh, Jeremy Pena sends one to the seats, and the Astros lead one to nothing in the 18th inning. This kid is the real deal himself. Yes, he is, and welcome back to the bullpen. I was kind of hoping Carlos Correa would interview him again. <laughs> How awkward was that? <laughs> hey, dude, I made a dumb decision, and now I'm interviewing you, even though you have my job uh-huh. that I used to have. I could have been winning a World Series or at least going back to an LCS, but no. I'm here in the booth I wanted now. to go to Minnesota. I wanted to, yeah, of all places. Let me leave Houston for Minnesota. For a year. What the hell was the point of that? He was like, oh, I couldn't get the contract I wanted in Houston. Well, I you know, be patient, you they man. Could ha- he yeah, could have if you're he Carlos waited. Correa. Anyway. 512 is a number here in the Still bullpen. Still got your round up. You heard there, Jeremy Pena, his uh, 18th inning heroics. One is all you needed on Saturday as the Astros complete the sweep over the Seattle Mariners, uh, heading on to the sixth LCS, consecutive LCS. What, 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 just, what is with this team? I never thought the Astros would be this dominant as they a kid. They find a way. As a kid. They find a way to win. Uh, it was um, somebody had to win that game. <clears throat> They only played two games total in one night. I couldn't help but be reminded of the 2005, Game 4, 2005 National League Division Series. Braves at, at, the, at Minute Maid Park. Mm. And just like Saturday's game against the Mariners, this game went 18 innings. 
And uh, I, I, I have, I've, I could not get over it. And it actually ended in similar fashion, except uh, the Astros were, were at home at the time. So it, this was for all the marbles. And the pitch. Swinging. Lining it to left. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Chris Burke. Holy Toledo. What a way to finish. Good old Milo Hamilton. Chris Burke just purchased the ticket to St. Louis. And he did. They're going to win in six. It you was, know what else I was looked so up? That was such an exciting moment. Some, One of my favorite homers of all time. Something else I looked up because uh, our old friend John Cooley asked me during the game, uh, how, what is the longest ever scoreless game in the history of baseball? And it was 24 innings, and it happened to involve your Astros as well against Tom Seaver. Is that right? And the Mets? And I believe it was the Mets, yeah. No I don't, kid. I don't know if he was on the Mets at that time. I don't know if he played for anyone else. So but. the longest scoreless, 24 scoreless innings. 24 scoreless. Were they the Astros at the time, or were they still yeah. the Colt 45s? No, they were Astros. They were the Astros? Yeah. Interesting. Tom Seaver was around, so yeah, they were the Astros. Yeah. Uh, so this 18-inning affair between the Astros and Mariners tied for the longest postseason game in MLB history. There have been... Couldn't have gone one more inning, guys. In 2018... Red Sox Dodgers win 18 innings. How were you in that during that game? Uh, bored. By that <laughs> point, I had gotten very bored. Uh, National League Division Series 2014 Giants Nationals 18 innings. I remember that. 2005 Braves Astros. You just heard how that one ended there on Chris Burke's walk off homer in the 18th. That was 18th. such a good call. And uh, then the 2022 American League Division Series Astros Mariners 18 innings. Uh, first to be scoreless though ever through 17 innings. Your Mariners put forth a valiant effort. Had they won Saturday, I would not have been upset. Uh, I'm Me not either. upset the way this ended, yeah. but I look for they've got most of the same lineup coming back next year. Expect big things. They'll have experience, and they will have tasted. You know, yeah, they, they, they've look, tasted it. They're they're there, man. Like I said earlier, I I was I it, at the end of the day, I was just happy to be there because it had been so long. I was I knew this team was good enough to at least make a run. Um, unfortunately, they they had their chance and and they flubbed it and they never recovered. Yep. Um, but they'll be back. They'll be back. Ab- that's all. That's all I can no really doubt say. About it. I, I really, as long as everyone stays healthy, they'll be back. No doubt about it. Now, this was absolutely uh, has been so far a postseason of upsets. Yeah. And uh, perhaps none bigger than what happened in San Diego over mm-hmm. the weekend. Now, so Saturday night. Are we pining over California? Well, only only because I hate the Dodgers so much. (laughs) Fair enough. You know, I'll side with the Padres this one time. Hell yeah. Even though they are the ugliest uniform in all of baseball. I love them. I love the brown uniforms. I think they're great. I think they're phenomenal. Tony Gwynn's the only guy who could rock that properly. Everybody else now. Love them friars. So uh, as as it stood on Saturday, um, I was watching the Astros game. I got a text from my mom, and she said, hey, you hear about the Phillies? Uh, couldn't believe it. Fell asleep waiting for the first run of the game between Astros Mariners. Woke up. That game was already over. It was yep. a little past midnight. Padres Dodgers was still on out on the West Coast. So I got to see this happen. And I could not believe. The biggest losers of all of this postseason have to be the Los Angeles Dodgers. I would say it's a tie between the Dodgers and the Braves because the Braves are the the defending champions. Didn't the, didn't the Dodgers win 111 games? They this year, did. Though? They sure did. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You can definitely put them a little bit higher, but I, it's pretty close. But it's definitely a shock, especially 
Freddie Freeman being the yeah. final out, who was already three for three before yep. that bat. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, I mean, but get this, though. The uh, the Padres, they came into this number 5 seed, 89-win team in the regular season. They were out of it for a long time. Absolutely, they were. Fifth team to win multiple series in a single postseason against opponents that accumulated 10 or more wins than they did during the regular season. This is, this is a stat right here. Uh, L.A. won its last nine regular season games against the Padres in 2021, then took 14 of 19 this year in the regular season, scoring more than twice as many runs in the head-to-head matchups. Dodgers' loss marks the first time that a team lost a playoff series to a division opponent after not losing a series to that team during the regular season. Also marked the second time in postseason history that a team eliminated another after winning 22 fewer games during the regular season. Last done in 1906. So congratulations to the San Diego Padres. You gutted that one out. This was a historic historic postseason. Absolutely. Uh, First first postseason appearance, if I'm not mistaken, for the pods since 1998 when they lost to the uh, they lost they got swept by the Yanks that year, I believe. Uh, I think it's been 25 24 25 years since they had been to an, uh, a championship series. Yeah, it's been a very long time. I get it. So we know uh, we know how that uh, that NLCS is is shaping up because also we had a little something happen with the Phillies. Get it. This incredible run, this train continues for the Phillies to the National League Championship Series. How about that? Defeating the defending champion Atlanta Braves, who has a better team that had a better team this year than last year when they won it, losing 8-3 in Game 4 in the NLDS to this Phillies team, who's making their first time uh, first appearance since, what, 2010, 2011? Yeah. I, I think, and don't, don't uh, quote me on this. I need to do the research. I haven't done the research, but I, I believe... Between the Phillies, the uh, 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 the uh, Padres, and the Mariners, I think at one point they were combined almost twenty games under five hundred, and all three of them at least made it to the division series and beyond. Besides one team, that's crazy. That is how baseball should be. That is because that is absolutely they, they crazy. had to go on an epic run, and I know firsthand going winning fourteen games in a row. To get back into relevancy and how it's hard that do. is, especially with only a month or change to go, it's tough to do. So you, we shouldn't have doubted these guys because they were hot down the stretch, and they outscored the Braves seventeen four in games yeah. three and four. And even talking about the Padres, and the Pod- we should never have counted them out, counted them out because all those teams had to get hot to get into the postseason, and usually that sticks throughout the throughout and gets them further than we all expected. You're right, and here we are. So, your National League Championship Series looks like Padres-Phillies. It's crazy. And Did not expect that at all. I don't know which way to go with this one. I, I, I want to I go with the Padres. Mm. That's what my gut's telling me, but my gut has been wrong with every pick of this postseason. This has been yeah. a ridiculous up, uh, just up, upsets galore. I didn't expect the Guardians to be in it. The only game five they all we're getting into the, the division postseason. series. Yeah, all, they all limped in, especially the the Guardians. It was, it's just it's it's been very strange, but I love it. I love the chaos. This is chaos. Yeah, ball. you call this chaos baseball. I love it. Now in Cleveland last night, Garrett Cole spun a a, a beautiful gym, uh, seven sparkling innings, helping New York uh, bring it back to the Bronx mm-hmm. tonight. Are they playing right now? When do they play? They, this game is, I believe, it's at uh, six o'clock tonight. Okay, so six o'clock it. tonight on TBS. Okay. It's the only game of the day, of course. Um, 
He uh, Cole got his 16th start of his postseason career, and and the Yanks got exactly what they pay him for. Yeah, he looked great a couple of times. He was teetering with trouble, but in the end, four uh, two was the was the uh, was the final score there. And I had picked the Yankees to sweep the Indians or the Guardians. And that has not happened. This mm-hmm. team has surprised the hell out of me, this Guardians team. I think scheduling has probably uh, been an issue, too, with the rain out and mm-hmm. you know, the back-to-back-to-back days that they had to play, I think, helped the Guardians a little bit. But I really, I don't know. I, it's hard. I say that, and I said the same thing about the Dodgers and uh, the, uh, the Braves, that it's hard to see them not making it to the next round. But yeah. at this point, yeah, it's a crapshoot. I'd love to see the Yankees lose. I would, too, not man. Not going to lie. God, I would, too. Wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but it'd be... I'd be surprised if they did. Do you think the momentum has shifted back to the I Yankees so. now? Yeah. Because I think it was so. absolutely with the Guardians before. Yeah. Garrett Cole shut that down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cleveland's thrived in this underdog role. Yankees have dominated at home this season, though. 57 and 24, mm-hmm. they've gone at home. Yeah. Uh, but the Guardians have consistently beaten the odds uh, to get to where they are here. So we've got game seven, six o'clock tonight. You can watch it on TBS. Aaron Savale uh, is getting the start for the Guardians. And uh, Jamison Tyon getting the start for the Yankees. Who? Yeah, I know. A couple, couple of guys. Well, let's see. Uh, Savale's uh, 5 and 6, 4.92 ERA for the season uh, to tie ons. 14 and 5. He went 14 and 5 Who? for the season, and nobody even really knows. Who's this guy? guy? Yeah. With a was he a starter, or was this, is this bullpen? 14 bro? and 5 star, I'm record. Yeah, I'm guessing he was a starter. Wow. Uh, okay. Making his first career postseason start and second appearance. Came out of the bullpen, bullpen to face three hitters in the 10th inning of the ALDS and uh, two. Uh, but uh, I'm looking here. The, so they they're gonna have a ride, the Yankees gonna have a righty on the mound. So Cleveland's probably not gonna be making any any changes to the lineup. Probably gonna stick with what worked for him in games three and four. Josh Naylor still bouncing back from a sore right ankle. Uh, and uh, Cleveland's I, I've I've noticed I like Cleveland's bullpen. Yeah, I think they're they're it's, pitching it's really as a whole been working well for them. And that's probably gonna factor in here in this one when you look at the two starters. It's probably going to be a bullpen game, so you got to ask yourself. I mean, who's got the better pen here? All the only uh, the only thing I suggest is just don't pitch to Jose Ramirez. Don't pitch to Aaron Judge. Those are the only two things I can tell you to make it a fair game. Yeah. And that's not even still fair because they have Rizzo. Yankees still have Rizzo and Stanton. They got they got Judge. Uh, looks like Judge will be batting in the two hole today. He's Stanton. He's, and he's warming Stanton up again. Four. He's warming up again. He was. He was cold to start the the postseason, but he has warmed up a bit. Rizzo, Stanton, John Donaldson, and that power, that Yikes. power, the three, four, five slots there. That's so, a lot of power. Uh, in the history of best of five postseason games, teams trailing two one that won Game Four to stay alive also went on to Game Five twenty six of, of forty seven times. However, mm. in winner take all postseason games, true home team games, as the Yankees are here, yep. sixty one of sixty three times they've gone on to win it. Wow, yeah. <laughs> jeez. Yeah. Cleveland has lost seven consecutive winner-take-all postseason uh, games. Come on, Cleveland! Second longest streak in postseason history behind. Can you guess who? Yankees? No. Think of a team that made it has made it a ton, especially in the early 2000s, to the postseason, uh, but never made it past the LCS. Reds? A's. Ah. Yeah. And over the past... That's because they blew up their team every single right, year. Right. Like, Billy Bean... Had an, a very odd strategy for a long time. Billy Bean's a weird guy. He is, but I appreciate him. I, I do, too. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, just one little final little bit of tidbit here. Over the past six postseasons, uh, since 2017, the Yankees are 8-5 in potential elimination games, including their win this year in Game 4. Forget the numbers. Shock the world, Cleveland. Let's yes, go, indeed. Guardians. Yes, indeed. 
Uh, so there you go. That's it for us today here on the bullpen. Looks like Austin FC, uh, just a real quick note, doing pretty well uh, so far. I think they've uh, disaster averted. No assured, a a uh, passage assured into the next round of the uh, playoffs. Good for them. Absolutely. Good that's what we them. expected. So keep it up. Keep it up, boys. Uh, so that's it for us. Stick around. Paul Feinbaum is up next. And then Sports Talk with Ed and Beto at 4 o'clock. You don't want to miss All that. Right. You never want to miss that. Never. And make sure you're back here tomorrow, 1 o'clock. We'll Almost, be here yeah. in the bullpen. See you tomorrow. See you.